All right, there we go. We're recording. You're officially making a podcast. Hooray! It's my first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Hyperfixation Variety Hour. I am one of your co hosts, Sam. And I'm Cassie. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is actually the first time we're meeting ever. Yeah, complete coincidence. We just happened to join the same call and I was like, hey, yep. you want to do a podcast? Yep, we met like three seconds ago. I mean, these have been a delightful three seconds, at least on my end. I don't know how it's going. Oh, over absolutely. There. Absolutely. I think this friendship is going places. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we have known each other for a while, despite how convincing our <laughs> acting is <laughs> but um we are here today to talk about tabletop rpgs uh like common ones such as dungeons and dragons as well as ones that may be a little bit less known unless you listen to the McElroy brothers uh such as and monster of the week one. yes my favorite one ever okay yeah uh, so good place to start is what was your first like experience with a tabletop RPG? My first time was like I had wanted to play um, D&D for like a really long time. Um, and I had, well, you know, you know, our friend. Uh, well, I won't get into our friend, <laughs> but we'll call them our friend. Um, is this the friend that I'm thinking of? The one that we yeah. had like a cup? Okay. Yeah, you can just call him like definitely. A. A, sure, sure. <laughs> one of the A's. Um, <laughs> so yeah, me and this one dude um, were friends in school. And I, I think I brought up the idea to him. And his mom knew this one guy who was like, supposedly the Iron GM, quote unquote. Like, I guess that's the award for like the best GM in a given state. I don't really know. Um, yeah, I, I just don't... know that he was apparently real good and had some kind of awards, so that oh. meant things, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so I guess her mom had a connection, so that guy ran a game for us. Um, I don't remember if there was any anyone else. It was a long time ago, and I have a bad memory. <laughs> yeah, um, that tends to be the case. <laughs> But yeah, I think it was kind of like your standard game of Pathfinder, just kind of like make some basic characters and uh, go f- probably fight a dragon or something. It's kind of hard to remember. If I'm <laughs> honest. It was uneventful, but it was exciting because it was my first time. <laughs> yeah. How about you? So the first time I played was in high school. I was uh, doing my CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant uh, training oh, course. Yeah. And uh, one of my buddies in the class uh, was like, we'd become like really quick friends because we both liked fantasy stuff. And he was like, hey, I'm playing D&D the, for the first time. Uh, do you want to join? I was like, oh, uh, sure because I kind of like had been vaguely interested but hadn't heard enough to be actually interested and so I joined the group and it was run by a guy who was like very good at running first person groups 
Uh, I'm still friends with him. We played a, like. What is that first person group? Can't wait. That's kind of what I tried to run that one time when we played together and then I kind of messed up because it was also kind of my first time doing stuff. But it's sort of like um, what he did was very heavy on role play and very light on the roles. Basically, he lightly introduced stuff as he went. Oh, huh. I didn't know there was like a term for that. But yeah, that is my favorite way to play. Yeah, it's probably not like the actual term because there's different play styles and I greatly prefer role-playing heavy because of that but just to like summarize my first session it was basically I made a Tifling Ranger in 3.5 absolutely phenomenal I got the biggest headache because I that was the first time I'd used my imagination in years or something like that (laughs) Like the end of the session, I was like excited and happy, but I was also like holding my head on the table because it was in <laughs> such pain. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I still get that if I haven't played in a while and then I play again and I'm just like, oh, my brain. God, that's rough, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be like that. Uh, so after your first session uh, or at least your first time playing, what was like the most memorable thing? Because you said you didn't really remember your first session. What's like the first thing you distinctly recall? The first thing I distinctly recall is like a little embarrassing. (laughs) Oh no. Um, Because I was like, um, I think I was like a pseudo intellectual as a teenager. (laughs) And Uh, yeah, I remember one time we were talking and uh you described (laughs) that you were like imagining i think it was alternate realities or something and you were like i've reached a struggle because the fourth alternate reality has to defy the logic of because everything exists this one or everything is possible this one nothing is possible which voids the rest of the universes and you're like going on like a whole bunch of stuff and I was just like I don't understand but it sounds cool I got obsessed with dimensions at one point like I was obsessed with the idea of like a fourth dimension I guess that's off topic but I was like well okay we have we can imagine two-dimensional worlds and we have a three-dimensional world what does a four-dimensional world look like I was obsessed with that for a while but that's neither here nor there (laughs) um so yeah I was a bit of a pseudo-intellectual and I thought it was funny to play um the kind of character that was like, I was obsessed with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at the time. Ooh, yes. Um, and I thought Zaphod Beeblebrox was really funny because he's like this cocky space guy who thinks he's the best. <laughs> and I thought that was a funny kind of character to play. Um, and so anyway, our second campaign with that guy who was like the the Iron GM, quote unquote, still don't know exactly what that means. Yeah, I think that... A described them to me as that I had a whole thing where I like I played for like maybe three months and then I was like I want to DM so badly and so I was like asking people to like train me to DM and then our mutual friend A was like oh I know a guy and then never introduced us and then did nothing (laughs) helpful and so I was just like I'll teach myself (laughs) that's great 
<laughs> that's very in character for for our friend. <laughs> um, so so yeah, we were playing with that guy, the that GM, um, and. They had this, like, I guess everyone else had decided that we were going to play a game themed around Attack on Titan. And I, I didn't really know what oh. that was at the time. So we watched like 10 or so episodes together to get the gist. And now I know that the whole thing is like a really gross fascist allegory. But that is, once again, neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, like, I um, know so many people obsessed with it. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah kind of sus if i'm honest oh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely the imposter um <laughs> but anyway so we were playing a game themed around that and i was playing that kind of archetype like the cocky kind of character who's like just kind of a bit rude um and i thought it was funny when my character saved a person and they were like well I want you to start thinking about what kind of reward I'm gonna get and I thought that was really funny but like I think the GM was slightly upset I'm not really (laughs) sure (laughs) I'm not entirely sure but he was just like wow that's incredibly rude and I was like I was just thinking like yeah that's the point (laughs) I don't know I think I think after that I was like I don't want to play a character like that anymore (laughs) yeah is a like yeah. very I, specific I, dynamic to character creation, which I can talk about in a little. Yeah, truly having to cr- confront my shitty 14-year-old self today. <laughs> oh no. I'm <laughs> so, so what's sorry. Your, so what's your first like memorable DD experience? Um I think the first what I th- I don't remember the exact sequence of what stuff happened because I have ADHD and so I have trouble remembering stuff in chronological order because if the way I remember stuff in relative order is based off of a vague general premise of a couple months to a couple years or in relation to events. Like uh-huh. if I re- something happened in school, I can pretty clearly remember roughly when it happened because I can remember the teacher or the classroom and then like think about it. But right, if something happened right. outside, I'm like, I don't know when it was. <laughs> like in terms of like related to visual stimulus and place. Yeah. But <clears throat> the distinctive thing I remember is that... Um, I got the first kill in the campaign. Ooh, um, the DM had been doing a world setup, which we discovered, which was basically the dwarves had been overmining the planet, which was causing them to hit like pockets of like basically ley lines. And so that magic was leaking out and corrupting creatures. Uh-huh. And so there was like I was a ranger and so obviously I was obsessed with getting an animal buddy and so I was like trying to tame an owl my character would go out every night to a farm and try to tame a barn owl (laughs) and so I'd gone out one night to do that and then as I was coming back the DM was like uh he like rolled some dice and it was like all right can you roll me a spot check so I rolled a spot check and I see some grass moving behind me and I'm like oh dang and so I start sprinting for the farmhouse nearby and this thing keeps like starts running after me 
it's like a mutated house cat the size of a panther and sprinting behind me my character manages to dive in through the open window shuts the window the thing like comes at the glass and is like clawing at it and so I like look around because my character was like a, a ranger but he didn't have any weapons because it was like entirely you get what you get through role play so like uh-huh. he didn't end up getting any of the cool spells or anything because he didn't ever pursue them but he grabbed he saw a bow and arrow off the wall and so he grabbed it the thing like clawed its way through the glass and then I managed to sh- shoot off two arrows at it and then pin it to the wall and that was like the first kill of the campaign and I was like hell yeah gosh that's awesome yeah congratulations it was a hot contest between uh me and the wizard to do stuff because that was the friend who invited me to the group and Uh we were like the ones that got the most comfortable most quickly and so we were the ones who were like oh I'm gonna go out on a walk which (laughs) became like a trigger for the DM because one of the characters would be like oh I'm gonna go out on a walk anytime he was bored and then he'd end up getting kidnapped or fighting something (laughs) (laughs) so just anytime you did that you would get in trouble yeah it's like the classic oh uh the sit you feel the ceiling shift a little bit when you're like in a dungeon the players are being like real raucous and stuff (laughs) like all right kids get a move on god is god is tapping his foot (laughs) (laughs) move children god is watching Gosh, that's a lot more vivid than my first memories. All of that is a fog at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was real distinctive because I was like fully into it because we did full immersion. Like this was eight hours every Friday and there was no phones. Um, obviously, you get bathroom breaks, food and stuff. But like basically the way it was like done was that you were fully just directed at it for about eight hours and so I was like just full-on just like in it gosh that's great oh yeah I love a good like long session it's it's hard for like my ADHD but it's good yeah I remember that uh sometimes with the group we ran uh, everyone would start to lose focus after like maybe four hours and then I'd be like oh I guess it's arts and craft time oh that's fun I remember when we did that we made those dice boxes yeah I, I was just like hmm I kind of want to do something cool and so you all showed up for the session and I was like hey we're making dice boxes instead yeah I remember that I I was actually looking for mine recently and I don't know where it is i hope somebody didn't throw it out because they thought it was like real dirt oh no <laughs> yeah if you remember I, think... I put like fake dirt and foliage on them in. <laughs> <laughs> i mean if anything that would be a compliment on your skills if somebody thought it was actual dirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully not maybe i just lost it <laughs> i don't know Gotta roll a search check to find it. 
<laughs> yeah, here I got a I got a die right here. That's an eight plus my. What would I do for that? Like a perception check? How do uh, I? Which uh, system are we doing? So we're doing uh, three point five. That's uh, search I'm gonna, checks. So. I'm gonna use Monster of the Week actually. Oh, Monster Screw of the it. Week. Okay. Yeah, because we're probably gonna talk about it later. Oh, I got oh, a six. You need to do. Plus, I oh, I got two sixes. That's a twelve. Plus my, <coughs> plus my sharp, which is probably zero. <laughs> All right, so that's, so that's a, a complete success. Uh, describe what happens. Um, I still don't find it. All right, so as long as we're transitioning, uh, do you want to describe what Monster of the Week is, or should I, or like just like a little mix? Uh, I guess we can both describe it. I'll start off because it's my new favorite RPG ever in the whole world. Um, Monster of the Week is a game like D&D, of course, tabletop game, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's about those kinds of shows where they like fight a new monster every week usually in like a small um like a small rural american town yeah Um, like supernatural or buffy yeah yeah or even like the kind of thing that like gravity falls is playing off of um gravity falls themed monster that we oh you're giving me ideas oh yeah interesting i'm not actually that big a fan i think it's like it's a bit of a boring show but that's okay yeah (laughs) Um, i enjoyed it because of the mismatch i like the clutter of the show that's true it is it is fun because it's like really different every time sometimes Mm -hmm. you get like a golf episode sometimes you get a spooky mansion episode um but uh where was i Oh yeah, um, so it's based on um, an engine called Powered by the Apocalypse, which mm-hmm. is like uh, you roll two D6s, um, which is cool because that gives you like a distribution closer to the middle. Because, um, you know, if you think about it, um, the only way to get a 12 is to roll two sixes, which is less likely than getting, say, a, a six, which you could get by rolling two threes, you could get a four and a two, you could get a five and a one. Um, so the rolls tend toward the middle. Yeah, isn't the most uh, average number rolled between two d sixes like seven? I think so. Yeah. Um, which I think is really cool because I always thought it was weird that like in D anD D usually you would have like say your intelligence modifier is like a two or something um i haven't i haven't played that much DD in a while so don't destroy me if i'm slightly wrong <laughs> um on what i'm saying here but if that's like a two and you you're rolling evenly in a range from one to 20 like the two is barely what matters there <laughs> it's mostly the range of 20 numbers you know DD is like very chaotic <laughs> um yeah when you're rolling i appreciate the chaos because it does mean that every once in a while you pull something absolutely wild but there's also so many like situations in which you're, you just like completely mess up right right that's why i think it's cool when you get that's why i think that t- um rolling two dice is cool 
Because that way you usually get toward the middle, but you can still get those hype moments where you roll, you know, two sixes or snake eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's a very, like, rules light game. Um, it's much more about the fantasy than the, um, you know, than the rules and the, like, exact monsters you're fighting and, like, you know, what scenario are we in? What rules am I applying to this? There's not a lot of that. It's a lot more about just the fantasy of things. Um, and in this game, the quote-unquote dungeon master is called the Keeper. Oh, yeah. um, and their role is interesting in this game because I think there's more concrete numbers-based roles, rules that are player-facing, whereas the Keeper half of the book... Um, that you use to run monster of the week is extremely like like vague in its descriptions because it's not really about following like hard rules and doing math it's about creating exciting narrative scenarios for the players to go through yeah Uh, yeah yeah Yeah, it's a very player focused game yeah uh Actually, the I love my favorite thing about Monster of the Week, which I say having never run a session because I have tried four times now to put it together a group and every single time it's fallen apart. Yes, I've had the worst luck. If you start a Monster of the Week group, I'm absolutely there. I love this game. I will let you know because I'm currently in a D&D group, running a D&D group. And once I get my vaccine and it's in effect, I'm joining another D&D group. So my schedule will be like pretty full over the summer. Gosh, but that's packed. Yeah, but basically the way that Monster of the Week is phenomenal is that the whole system works off of, uh, I believe they're called holds. So basically it's like a guaranteed consequence that the DM can decide. Obviously they're not going to just straight up kill your character the second they get the chance, <laughs> but it's sort of like, oh uh it's a guaranteed like uh one of the things is the archetypes is called the chosen and so the chosen at the beginning of every adventure because there's like segments called hunts basically they will roll their dice and have a prophetic dream and so the dm gets some gets to do something that they wouldn't get to do in DD because DD is such chance-based since they get a hold from that dice roll if the character gets like a complete mess up the dm gets to show them something bad happening to them and then they can guarantee that it happens later because the hold is given to them to expressly do that and also just the majesty is that the keeper does not have to roll any dice the entire game because it's entirely yeah that's totally what i meant that's totally the kind of thing i was talking about where like the keeper is really there for like narrative um and just keeping the rules in place whereas the players are the ones like with most of the rules involving numbers and stuff yeah and also the way that it runs it allows the players a lot more free reign to describe stuff because D&D, at least the way that I do it and my DMs have done it, is very like, D- 
DM describing most of this stuff. Uh, but if you ever listen right. to a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies, which is a phenomenal podcast, I would certainly recommend about Dungeons and Dragons. They run fifth edition. Basic concept is that basically five dads from our world, like real life, get sucked into a portal to the Forgotten Realms. And then they have like <laughs> pseudo classes, but they're all like going off of stuff so they can make like wild references and weird things like that but my favorite thing is that the dm uh will campos is very accepting of any of their descriptions and so sometimes he'll like say something about a monster and then one of the players will be like oh is it like this and he's like yes or they'll like assign a certain voice to something or like uh somebody will like summon something and they're like oh it looks like this actor and so they like do an impression of the actor's voice and it just adds like a lot more flavor because the characters are or the players are putting a lot more description and so it's like a lot more collaborative than just the dm is like giving something that the players respond to the players are adding to it right I would say Monster of the Week has some of that flavor. It sounds like that show goes really hard on that concept. Um, I think Monster of the Week is still mostly like guided by the Keeper. At least that's how I think we're going to play it. Um, Mm -hmm. But the players are definitely more empowered than usual to like participate in crafting the fantasy. Um, Yeah. Even if just in small ways. So do you want to give a description of the game you've got planned? Um, the, well, what I'm planning is basically, um, all of the players, um, we're starting with character creation, basically, including myself, like I'm starting with everyone else making their characters and helping them through that. And then mm-hmm. the idea is that I'll build, um, scenarios and ideas based on their characters. Um, and I guess I won't say anything much because like, you know, if they listen to this, then they'll get spoiled on all the fun ideas I have. But the thing that's really fun about it is that they'll like tell me the lore of their characters and like their character's personality. Um, and they'll tell me like, you know, just details about their characters. And I'm sat there thinking, oh, I could build this kind of mystery out of that, or I could put them in this kind of scenario that would challenge that part of their personality or this part of their backstory that they haven't added closure to. I can make a mystery based on that in the future. And I can like bring back characters from their backstory. And like, I'm really like building all of my scenario ideas off of what they're telling me about their characters. So in a sense, they're kind of the ones like setting all of my ideas into motion, into motion, like they're creating the basis of the fiction, basically, and I'm building out of what they have given me with their characters. It's super exciting. Yeah, I love that kind of thing. Like um, I mentioned earlier that there's a lot of different dynamics that go into character creating regardless of the tabletop RPG, but uh, as a DM, my favorite thing to do is I will give people custom tailored feats 
or certain abilities or skills based off of their backstory. And so that generally just encourages people to put in stuff. But I also encourage like uh, flaws, unresolved things, like a lot of stuff I can work with. And the more they give me, the more rewards I will give them. So it's like a reward system. But the basic dynamic for making a character is that you should make one that isn't perfect. Right. Because somebody who is content with their life does not go on adventures or does right. not like answer the call to hunt monsters. There's always some sort of motivation, some imperfection, or some sort of like growth they need to go through. Right, right. And so whenever somebody makes a, I, I guess, uh, trying to think of a term, I like a one trick character, like one trait, like uh, there's different ways you can go about it because you could have a character that has one specific trait that they kind of revolve around and it works well. Like say your character has lost an arm and then their whole thing is like trying to like replace it or work around it and that can be very good. But there's also other characters like the one that our mutual ex-friend A would make (laughs) where it was basically the idea of how stupid can this character be and how disruptive can they be? I think we differ on this point, actually. I really like a good gimmick character. Um, Gimmick character, that's it. Yeah, like in the same campaign where our friend, um, I guess, was agreed to be a bit disruptive, I was a character who was like intended to be like, mechanically useless she was just like nervous all the time and like contributed nothing wasn't Um, she an actual like just like random child that the group had found and like lightly adopted yeah I think she was just some teen with like a kind of like um a controlling mom (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I see I think a gimmick character um can be really fun like I I really don't think everyone in the group needs to be like particularly fleshed out sometimes it's fun just to have a comic relief um yeah that's my opinion at least yeah I'm not expressly like crapping on gimmick characters I'm just saying that the way you approach them should be like it shouldn't be oh they only do this and then nothing else like give them room to grow or if an opportunity presents itself like have the character choice but my favorite thing absolute favorite thing about any tabletop rpg is the creation of the character like the first like time they speak because you essentially bring this whole other entity into creation and like so many people who get into tabletop rpgs they talk about their characters like they're another person and it's my favorite thing yeah that first introduction where you're just like you make all the character you get all their stuff figured out you might have like a voice plan for them but the second they speak that's when they truly start to exist because you start to get an attitude for them they have a sort of like differentiation from you like even if you base it solely on yourself as they start to do stuff 
in the world, they start to get different traits. Like I made a character based off of myself in like middle school when I was like very insecure, antisocial. Um, and then I ended up having that character like go through different things. And so they didn't go through the same, same stuff as me where I became like a lot more extroverted, talk a lot, like a little bit louder, more like, oh, hey, just like maybe take control of a certain group. Like I'm not one of the people that's like, oh, I'm the alpha dog, but like in a certain situation, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, hey, we could do this, like sort of thing, just cause like with the, right. I mean, I have the, I have the experience of guiding that group of people towards a certain goal without expressly being like go towards this right but my character didn't get that and so he went in a different route which was that he essentially stayed like right around there he had trouble improving and he became a lot more like a little bit more broody and then like focused back on friends and so he became like a very supporting character that's really sweet yeah, actually, um, my first character was on his way to be the devil prince of annihilation or something edgy my like God, that. What? <laughs> and at the last, like, like last month or two, I pulled a complete like one eighty. He became the archangel of friendship because God, he loved his friends great. so much, and he loved being a devil, but he loved his friends so much more that because of all the stuff he'd been through in the campaign that he picked being the archangel of friendship because he wanted to be there for his friends he wanted to support them and he went on to be one of the deities in the world which is a, like oh. it was a big contention point because i was thinking it through from his perspective me personally i would have kept going the devil route that's what i created him for that's what i loved about him which is why i have so much like conflicting feelings because he as he had evolved and been become his own character his own person he chose being the archangel of friendship because friends were his core importance gosh that's so sweet that's such a nice like an interesting and tough experience when like a character kind of gets away from you you know it's oh like, yeah wow, you've grown so much it's always <laughs> like the most conflicting feeling when you're like in a situation you're like my character doesn't want to do this but I want to yeah. and you're like why <laughs> that's been a challenge for me in the monster of the week game um that I just joined it's my first monster of the week game by the way it's so exciting um I'm playing a character called Ollie um, who is the second in a tradition I've been doing lately where I take a prop um, and I build a character out of it. Um, oh, in did the you campaign, get that idea you know, from Aubrey? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with Aubrey, I was creating a character. Um, Aubrey is um, my halfling bard in Sam's game that he's running. Um, and she has an electric keytar. <laughs> um, and that sort of came about because I joined the game and made my character like right as we were about to play. Um, so I was sort of like just 
picking things based on like what the rest of the group was. I was like, oh, okay, I kind of like halflings. So I'll be a halfling, never been one of those before. And then they didn't have a bard. So I was like, okay, I'll be a bard. Um, and then I was like, well, okay, I guess I could give her like a loot, but that's pretty standard. And then I was like, oh, in the spirit of completely unexplained anachronisms, I could give her an electric guitar. And then I was like, well, that's kind of cool, but I think she's a little bit of a dork. <laughs> so I want to have like a dorky and cool instrument. And that's where the guitar came from. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember you were like, hey, can I have a guitar? And I had that <laughs> initial panic that I always have when any player asks anything that is out of the ordinary, which is I don't know the rules that well. <laughs> how can I make this work and then I was like nah fuck it and I was like yes you have a guitar hell yeah I was wondering what was going through your mind when I asked if I could have a guitar <laughs> now I know oh my god just based off of all of my experiences with a anytime anyone asks for anything that's out of the ordinary I initially am like I like pause because first thought is how would that work in the mechanics like I was setting up a monster of the week campaign with a couple close friends although one of them ended up they're going through like a phase of their life where they uh, just got like a couple things figured out like diagnosis wise and so it's kind of changed their whole like view and oh so yeah in that phase like of their in life a good way or a bad way um they were kind of going in a bad way when I was friends with them, which kind of led to a like falling out because they were, it happened like right around COVID. Like we hung out like mm -hmm. basically every day and then COVID hit. And so I live with vulnerable people. And so I was being mm -hmm. careful, not going out, not really visiting. Um, when I did see them, it was like with masks through a window on windy days and like uh, more than six feet apart, like being the most careful I could possibly be in yeah. the circumstances. And uh, they expected more of that out of the friendship. And so they got pissed when I came out as Polly and was dating somebody. So I was seeing them more often and in person. And they were like, absolutely not having that because they, I guess they didn't consider the dynamics of I'm literally like around this person all the time. So I'm, they're like basically like part of the household. And also they were being safe while right. this friend was not being safe. And so they got That's angry. Rough. Yeah. And so like they're definitely in a phase of their life where they like are finding themselves because they had a thing that disrupted their self image. I hope things go well for them then. Oh yeah, I I hope things go well. Because they're like uh they're also dating one of my uh, very good friends and he's been struggling and I just like hope both of them are doing okay because I know that uh his partner makes him happy. That's good. But that was a whole digression, but basically the yeah. person who I had a falling out with um was making a 
I think it was a not a spell slinger. And they asked yeah. me, hey, can I have a hyena, hyena because they really like birds of prey? Oh, cool. Wait, what? A hyena? Yes, a hyena. Is That's that my first. A, is that not, not a bird? A hyena is like a, I think it's part of the canine family. It's a. Scavenger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what did you mean birds of prey? Is that a movie or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Birds okay. of Prey is like the <laughs> Harley Quinn movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Works. one that a lot of I people thought, either I thought you were saying love. a hyena was the bird of prey. Oh, no, I was making a pop culture reference. I don't typically do that, so I understand your confusion. <laughs> <laughs> but they said, hey, can I have a hyena? And I was initially I was like, sure. And then I got to thinking about it and I was like, how would that work because that introduces another entity into the situation that could possibly fight and oh yeah the keeper can't roll stuff so i was like would they roll for it or would that substitute their action and nothing really has companions and then i i guess i now that i think about it um when you level up you can get a familiar yeah i i i just thought about it like now that I'm not in the panic zone as I was back then, um, that basically it could have been either a minion or a companion run off of those mechanics. But at the time I was like, oh God, I don't know how to handle this. I've never even run a game and I'm already taking on more than I know than the base rules. So I like was like, well, actually no, because this is my first time. And so it's like, right. it's like a whole dilemma and when somebody asks for something and I don't quite know what to do, like, obviously there's circumstances where it's like, yeah, I could technically run that, but I also don't want to mess things up later on. But there's also right. other things where it's like, no, like, I told you specific things. Don't do that. Like our mutual ex-friend A, um, I told everyone for our first group they were doing base classes base races uh immediately asks for a aracocra gunslinger a gunslinger if you don't know is not a 3.5 thing it is a pathfinder which is oh, close shoot. to 3.5 but it's different enough that it is disruptive and also the gunslingers tend to be like it's a stereotype that i've encountered but basically gunslinger is like the person in the campaign who wants to who ends up disrupting it the most because gunslingers are a little bit unbalanced. Uh-huh. And so they immediately asked for this. And I was like, initially I was like, well, can you convert this to 3.5? And they were like, yeah, sure. And then I gave them a couple of days and I was like, how's that going? And they're like, oh, I'll get to it. And I was like, listen, I told you expressly these specific things. You immediately went against it do a base race base class and they were like oh right and so they showed me something else that wasn't in the (laughs) player's handbook and i was like homie (laughs) oh no (laughs) see i'm very i'm very reckless in terms of i i realized we skipped over ollie we talked about aubrey oh heck Um, sorry (laughs) yeah no i think i think we both got away from it so um shoot this is gonna be a little disorganized but yeah 
Ollie is, um, she's my character for the Monster of the Week game I just joined. Um, and her sort of like gimmick was a skateboard. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to do roller skates, but the keeper pointed out like, do you want to wear roller skates in like rural America where there's going to be like dirt? <laughs> and, and I was like, you know... I guess not. <laughs> so I switched it to a skateboard, you know, because you can like hop off of that and carry it with you. Um, yeah, you can also get like, um, I don't know if you've seen them, but there's actual like off-roading wheels where they're basically like small inflatable tires. Just something to oh, keep yeah? in mind. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I will take a look at that. Could maybe upgrade Ollie's skateboard. Um, so yeah, uh, she she's a mundane which is basically in um, in Monster of the Week, that's a class that's just like an average person who's coming along to help fight monsters, um, which is my favorite class because <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, I love regular people doing extraordinary things. Um, and so basically she's kind of like, she leans ever so slightly into punk, but she's really not. <laughs> Um, so she's got a skateboard and a baseball bat, um, and she grew up, like, working at her family's pizza place in town, um, and so she's kind of, like, really connected to her family, but a little bit distant, because, like, you know, their family relationship has kind of been muddled in with a professional relationship, because they all work together, um, Mm. yeah. Yeah, like the family business dynamic. Yeah, so, like, she, she like, cares about her family, but she's, like, distant from them, and especially, like, her younger siblings, she feels like they're kind of, like, trapped um, working for the family, so she kind of, like, has a desire to help them out in ways, but she doesn't know how, and so that kind of, like, forms her motivation to fight monsters, because it's, like, well, shit, like, now our town is being threatened by monsters, um, I want to do what I can to help. And I think like that's the most tangible way her brain can latch on to to like help her siblings who are kind of struggling with this like work, you know, the working world of America. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's a lot more developed than Aubrey. <laughs> I think I find it much more natural to develop like an average person in the modern world than I do to like come up with a backstory and motivations for somebody in a fantastical world where it's hard to like um, create an experience that you can relate to from their perspective. Um, so yeah, Ollie is like hesitant to fight monsters because it's scary and dangerous, but like ultimately she wants her home and her family to be safe. So that's kind of what pulls her toward fighting monsters. Um, And we had a first session of Monster of the Week. And let me tell you, maybe the best thing in Monster of the Week is the fact that after you've all made your characters, everyone um, kind of decides like one or two things that each of their characters knows the other for. Yes, Um, I love that. Like, seriously, the more you talk about your what you like about Monster of the Week, the more I want you to just listen to the... um, uh, Amnesty? Yeah, Amnesty, you're gonna be so hyped. I'm so excited to get there. Adventure Zone Amnesty. I'm listening to Balance right now, and I'm a big fan. 
It's really good. Yeah. I'm how far along are you at this point? Game. I'm about halfway through Suffering Game. Um, no spoilers for anyone in uh, anyone who hasn't listened yet, though. Um, yeah, when you finish so yeah. that up, do you want to do a episode discussing it? Because oh, yes, I've been like definitely, dying. Okay. definitely. Um, so anyway, shoot, we are a bit scattered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's something that's absolutely great, I think, is you choose um one or two things that your character knows every other character for, and they do the same for yours. Um, so you could end up like having like a storied history with another player, or it could just be that you've like seen each other in passing, just like one thing that connects um your two characters basically. Um and I think that's absolutely perfect because what I realized as we played was that it made the group dynamic instantly more developed and more immersive than anything I've ever had before playing like many, many sessions of other games because like right off the, right off the bat, you have to like you know, know a little bit about the other character and you have to like decide how your characters know each other. So it's not, you don't all start with the same awkward, well, we all we all received the call to adventure at the same time. Do you want to form an adventuring party? Like oh you'll start God, yes. with, um, you'll start with like, well, Ollie delivers pizzas. Um, so you'll start with like, Ollie has seen you before because she's delivered pizzas to you um and one of the other characters is an asexual succubus which Mm -hmm. is the best thing ever um and she decided that her character has a crush on Ollie and like ordered (laughs) a ton of pizzas every single day (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah Okay, real so, quick. Like, how does Ollie deliver these pizzas? I'm genuinely curious. On a this... Okay, that's exactly what I yeah. pictured. Yeah, that that detail actually came late because I was like, okay, she has a skateboard and she works at a pizza place, but like I never put those two together, and I was like, oh, she can do deliveries. <laughs> real quick, does she have like the stereotypical pizza bag, or is this just like pure hundred percent skill? You got the pizzas in one hand, you're just like swerving <laughs> around potholes. I was actually thinking about that. She probably has a pizza bag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but just imagine that there's like a small amount of the budget dedicated to when you just like eat dirt on a skateboard and you just like lose the full pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, we got to replace this. (laughs) 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 That's great um so yeah like instead of starting with like we're in the same adventuring party together what was your character again it's like (laughs) it's like our characters kind of like each other and then like some of our interactions have been like flirtatious um and it's like real cute and good and then the other player character is this like spooky kid (laughs) um they're playing um they're playing the spooky archetype um and so (laughs) um the the history that the succubus had with that kid was like she had seen them like 
oh, this might be a little sensitive for some people. So like a little bit of a warning for- uh, like, We can abuse. just say like, hey, trigger warning. Um, if you're uncomfortable, uh, skip like minute hit. Yes, uh, warning for animal abuse. Skip just um, 30 seconds or so. Yeah, so basically um, she had seen this kid like abusing a raccoon, um, like trying to get it out of like, their the abandoned gas station that they live in um so yeah you just have that interaction coloring um their interactions as well like oh i saw you did this like horrible thing and that's just at the back of my mind as we're role playing you know and it's like it's instantly so much better than any other group i've ever been in for again for multiple sessions and we've only played one session so far yeah <laughs> it is absurd that is like the as a dm that is the hardest thing about putting together any DD group is because i like to do role play a uh, majority of the time and like be a little bit lighter on combat and so the big thing is like why are these people getting together or like what's keeping them together and that's been like a struggle sometimes because i played in a like my first campaign somebody joined later on and this is this this is just like I struggled with this person because they made the kind of characters that was like oh this will be fun but like specifically for them because when you're making like a D&D character a lot of the like a little bit of the part should be like towards the group unless you are right. able to work that dynamic like you know the people well um, everyone is able to register that what's happening in the game is not something that is actually uh, reflective of out of the game or will not be taken out of it like the separation between character and self but also being able to enjoy your character and be be the character for a little bit and so this person made a character that was very um, like against the group didn't really get along with anyone that well and their major motivation was they wanted to find a specific location so they could return home. Ah, shoot. <laughs> and so they were just traveling with a group as a means of transportation. And also because we were the craziest people with the wildest like group mechanics, like the people that I played with, um, all of our dice are probably whack i don't buy weighted weighted dice i don't know how to make them i rolled at least four natural 20s every session which is oh, a little bit more than average and but i would also roll an equal amount of nat ones and so the sheer <laughs> chaos of every session like the dm told us that if we hadn't played in person together for three years that he would have been like making us roll on an engine online because our dice rolls are all just so incredibly chaotic God. and so the biggest trouble was that everyone else had been able to form a bond because we'd been like basically hired by this guy initially we became a group and then we're like hey we like hanging out together and we're all pretty like intertwined in each other's lives now so we're going to stick together once like the initial town got destroyed by a giant meteor, which is all another thing. Um, and so this person joined up with us. They got to their goal and then immediately it was like, why are you still with us? Kind of feeling. 
Oh, they didn't like grow a new character or anything? No, they got to their goal. They found the place that they wanted to be. And then they just sort of stuck with the group while still being aloof. Oh. And they got like disappointed with their character. Huh. Which is why. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, I actually played a- another game with the same person and roughly the same group minus like one person because they like went on to do other stuff or no 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 they had been uh harassing the dm for the entire two years of the oh, first campaign oh wow and nobody knew about it but they'd like after the session they'd like call the dm or text the dm and then harass them for two hours about every single thing they didn't quote unquote do right like yo dude holy shit so basically we just all uh, unanimously agreed to end the first campaign and then ditch that person uh it was not a good time that's rough man oh yeah the dm has been like struggling with like confidence issues because he's like superb dm but he bases his value on feedback and so for like two years all the feedback he'd been getting was oh you're doing everything wrong dude that's rough as hell oh yeah i feel bad for it for them yeah every time i'm like on call with them i always encourage them a little bit because like i love all the memories that they've given me and the characters that i got to play like absolutely phenomenal my second character is probably my favorite I'm actually like bringing him into the campaign that I'm gonna play soon. Oh um, yeah, and uh, I love giving characters voices, and so he talks. Ooh. He was a werewolfing necromancer, and he talked. Oh, I need I need to find the voice. I'm gonna mute myself for a second so I don't say embarrassing stuff on the mic. Okay, well you're gone. Um, I'll advertise the sponsor. It's a. Uh... Actually, the sponsor thing. No, I, I don't have a joke. I thought oh, I would no. come up with a funny sponsor, like 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 chicken tissues. Chicken <laughs> yeah, that's that's the funny sponsor. Chicken okay. tissues. Okay, okay, get me down this pathway. Are these tissues made out of chicken or tissues designed for chickens? They're 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 for chickens. <laughs> Are they by chickens? Well, um. You see, no, they're by humans, but humans who understand the chicken experience very deeply. Um, they, they've they spoken with many chickens in their <laughs> lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what makes these tissues different from like regular tissues? What, what's the, the chicken specific thing? Is there like well, they're... a recall or... The, the 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 design um and the shape of them is specifically chicken attuned like they've actually worked with um their experts very closely to create a design that is very um amicable for chickens it um feels good on feathers and beaks um and it's chicken approved as the top chicken scientists have been working on this technology <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a detour. That's our sponsor I for today. Just, I thought it was just going to fill air while you were muted with a quick joke. 
I'm sorry. I saw you doing a bit and I was like, I need to participate. I'll, I'll just do the like key phrase. I don't know if you like do that. I don't know like, how other like people. You have a phrase that you use to get in character and get into the voice. Yeah, I have different phrases that I use to get into like character voice. If I do this character voice enough, I don't have to, but I haven't done it in a little while. Uh, but the key phrase is you can't just leave a dead body in the middle of fucking road right there. <laughs> like, this is how he talked the entire session, but only oh when he was God. talking in character. And so it'd go from like talking like this to, okay, so I want to do this thing. Yeah. You see over there, there's a guy. <laughs> That's great. My God. I've and still I'm... never committed to a character voice. Um, <clears throat> you got to be careful I... because there are points where like even you will be annoyed by a specific character voice. Like a uh, person that harassed the DM had a character who spoke in like a Scottish Irish accent. And so all they all the time they just went, I and everyone by the end was like they'd say god. i and the whole table would be like lightly triggered god sorry but you were talking about character voices i got excited um oh yeah i just i was just gonna say that i've never like committed to a character voice um i've like tried to do stuff for ollie but it's kind of hard because like um like my voice has changed a lot over a couple years um and i don't think i have as much range as i used to um so yeah it's a little tough i've tried to do like a voice for ollie just like putting a little more rasp in my own voice and it it does it doesn't work <laughs> i don't think we're gonna do it um, yeah. maybe if i practice a little more but it, it doesn't really work yeah, you could try doing like uh, scales or voice warm-ups to see if you can get a little bit more range. I could do what? Uh, like uh, scales, like the do re mi fa sol la ti do re mi fa sol la ti do. That that might be a good idea. I could potentially try that. Try and stretch out the range of my voice a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, one of my partners struggles with that because their voice got like change very quickly and so it's like oh yeah stuck at a monotone huh and it's like a struggle wasn't wasn't there something we were gonna get back to uh uh or ollie i cannot remember ollie you talked about pizza uh you could just describe like roughly the first session if you want to oh yeah i guess so uh that might be a little hard and a little maybe boring <laughs> well what are the highlights like uh what what's the spark notes um well we investigated a spooky church um spooky shit was going down there was a skull that was like possessed or something um but we sort of like broke it oh no (laughs) unceremoniously which was really funny um and then we met this invest oh yeah and also we flirted inside the church Ooh. um flirting in the eyes of the lord yeah yeah it was like it was like <laughs> awkward flirting where it's it's like you know you know when you're like oh i like your outfit it's just like thanks oh, okay gosh. let's go and mystery now <laughs> and then you like awkwardly <laughs> shuffle away that kind of thing <laughs> oh my god but that's just like such perfect for like absolutely uh, ollie's like a teen right 
No, she's 21. Oh, okay. Yeah, but she's still like, you know, she hasn't done that much in the way of like romance, I think. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Um, so yeah, they're just gay and flirting. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> um, I love, I love um, the asexual succubus character. They're so fun. <laughs> I love the like uh, subverted tropes yeah like yeah the asexual succubus the like mute siren deaf bard because it's like oh you've taken away the core component how do you work from there stuff like that yeah it's oh you know what it's fun too i was gonna touch on if i may go on a tangent again one right. of the fun things I realized while playing um, Monster of the Week is that it's really fun not to know everything about the other player characters um, because she's playing the monstrous class which is like they're supposed to have like um, like evil drives that drive them to do evil things apparently yeah. so like is like pursuing a romantic relationship just a way for a succubus to feed <laughs> you know like I genuinely don't know and it like colors everything in such a like exciting way <laughs> yeah like, like crush but it's also like could it be sinister <laughs> yeah I like the um asexual succubus uh method of feeding which is basically uh formed off of like deep friendships and stuff like that oh yeah i mean asexuality is um well it's i would say it's difficult to define i would consider myself mm -hmm. asexual um to uh, like a shade of asexuality um you can still have like romantic relationships and stuff which is like mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I yeah, I you could be asexual, but be like pan romantic, right? Right, stuff like that. So I would imagine that it must be like a feeding off of romantic relationships kind of thing. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to know, and it makes the narrative that much more exciting, and it makes the role play so much fun. Um, so then, after having some fun church flirting, um, we met a like detective kind of person who I don't think was working with the government, probably working <laughs> with a spooky shadowy organization. Um, and they were like, you shouldn't be infested. You shouldn't be near this. This is a crime scene. You're, you could get in serious trouble. And then we were like, okay. So we kind of like backed off. Um, <laughs> and then the spooky used their ability called Jinx um, where it can make somebody lose something and then you'll Ooh. find it um so they lost like a business card um and on the back of it we found a radio frequency um that was mysterious and so <clears throat> um we decided like okay did, does do any of us have a radio um and then I was like well I have a radio at my place and then I was like wait I can't have these guys over there <laughs> Because we got a spooky kid and a demon who every, like, people think it's a cosplay, the demon, <laughs> including Okay, Ollie. so this, this person lo looks like, like a cosplay demon? 
Well, I guess <laughs> like Ollie thinks she's cosplaying because she works at a tabletop <laughs> game store. Um, yeah. So every time she's delivered pizzas, it's to the store. And so she's like, oh, is this like a cosplay for a job? <laughs> I love if it's the dynamic of like um, you both have like a little bit of a crush on each other or the succubus has a crush on uh, Aubrey, but Aubrey isn't like fully ollie ollie there we go ollie isn't fully aware because she delivers to the tabletop store and so she like there's the (laughs) room of assumption where like oh these are for the customers right right (laughs) in reality as we find out soon she's doing weird things with the pizzas Um, oh no what that sounds criminal (laughs) not that weird not that weird Um, <laughs> oh no like <laughs> so yeah then the succubus whose name is odette um we go to her place which she lives above the game store like a lot of people in this town um live in like wafts above the places they work including ollie mm-hmm. her family lives above the pizza place um and so we go to the game store and we you know Ollie notices in the corner of her room just a stack of pizza boxes <laughs> um, and all of them have like written is like Odette has written up like descriptions of like their taste and everything <laughs> <laughs> just you see saucy on the side yes <laughs> um so Ollie's just thinking to herself like okay that's kind of weird <laughs> um and then they they tune into the radio station and there's like a weird like um there's like jazz playing and like a weird voice um that talks to them through the radio it was confusing <laughs> but mysterious um <laughs> oh no you hear a voice crackle through the radio static you like yeah. jazz <laughs> and then and then Odette's coworker comes upstairs and is like um hey there's a there's a wolf in the store <laughs> he's like the kind of like the the type that just like doesn't care uh, so nonchalant. yeah there's so there's a wolf in the store and we like <laughs> sneak, we like sneak downstairs and out the back door and we lock the wolf inside um and odette uses a demon ability to talk to or a monstrous ability to talk to the wolf and ollie is just thinking like as she's talking to this wolf she's like that's not cosplay is it (laughs) wow i Um, thought your cosplay was real was really realistic but now i realize you're a demon (laughs) yeah and so they talk to the wolf and the wolf (laughs) is like like really pissed about um the fact that humans are just destroying the earth um understandable yeah yeah absolutely understandable um and so odette rolls like really high on a manipulate check um so they get the wolf to take them into the forest to meet their master um and ollie's just like she like asks odette like that's not a cosplay is it and then odette we have like a running gag where she'll um she thinks that by cosplay people mean her uniform Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and she's just like oh this yeah (laughs) this is my work uniform (laughs) oh my god hold on that reminded me of a gag 
so yeah. I'm playing in a campaign that like we keep jumping between like different like old time religions like we did Norse and now we're going into Irish and my character is a changeling bard who's like very excessively charismatic but is also neutral yeah. good so he's not the first person to talk in the group but he's got like a plus ridiculous number to like any sort of conversation modifier yeah which is very funny but one of the characters is like a barbarian kobold and so far every time my character has changed he has not seen it and so he just naturally he just completely <laughs> like assumes that oh we have a new person going with us and every time somebody mentions um a, that i'm a changeling or refers to me as like some sort of derision of that name uh, he is conveniently looking the other way and it's become a gag that he just doesn't know that I'm a changeling and we're going to try <laughs> to God. keep it going until the end of the campaign. <laughs> That's absolutely great. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, one of the characters was like, oh, changeling, you'll not get past <laughs> me. And then the barbarian was like, hmm, the architecture of this building is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> super exquisite <laughs> that's so fun oh my god so yeah by the way we ended the session after that um i think the keeper was like wow we got through that fast because believe it or not all of that was in like two or three hours oh, nice. um yeah it was a really short session but we did so much more than i've done in like sessions of other games that were like eight hours long just yeah. Monster of the Week is like a much faster paced game, which I love. Um, and yeah, yeah, I really want to drive home the point. I We've only played one session so far. Um, and in that two or three hours, like that was like the best experience in terms of like character dynamics and role play that I've ever had in a tabletop yeah. game. Like monster of the week is absolutely baller like not to not to discredit the keeper and the other players who were amazing as well but like monster of the week i really want to put the spotlight on the fact that it's an amazing system that facilitated all of like you know ultimately it's all of us who make it special but monster of the week put us in the mindset and it gave us the tools to build something special so yeah real quick um uh, because we've been talking about a lot, uh, we might as well plug it. Uh, Monster of the Week is a game by Evil Hat Productions. We're not sponsored by them, but it is very encouraged to go check it out. Um, you can uh, procure yourself one of the PDFs from the website. You type in Evil Hat Productions. The uh, first hit is the site for it. Uh, you'll notice that there are different things they have uh, other like tabletop rpgs that they work on but if you go to popular titles uh you'll be able to scroll down to monster of the week uh they have the information about it and then uh ways to get it um but they also have a lot of free resources um including the printable like guess you call them character sheets they're the archetypes uh basically it tells you how to build put playbooks. together and keep track playbooks that's it yeah those whole things are self-contained it tells you how to run them 
it explains everything and then it, you can also write on it and keep track of it it is phenomenal like everything is so well put together for this game absolutely there's a reason it's my new favorite tabletop rpg okay so we've been going on for i think it's been about an hour and a half wowzers <laughs> that was yeah. bad <laughs> Uh, uh, real quick, uh, there is one thing that I want to talk about, unless there's another thing that you want to talk about, obviously. I think I covered everything on my mind. Okay, so the one thing I wanted to mention is that um, I was listening to the new, like, season of the Adventure Zone, which they're going... Oh, calling... Ether Sea? Yeah. Um, and little bit of spoilers but not really much they'll it'll be explained in like the first minute or two but basically the way that they're doing it is that um they're creating the map first and the way they're creating a map is this game called the quiet year Mm -hmm. it is a tabletop rpg designed to give a map some flavor basically you play with a deck of playing cards um, and you do each suite is a season. So you start in spring and you draw every card and the cards correspond to something that happens um, such as say you are in the spring, which is, I believe, like clubs. Hold on, I'm pulling up the little PDF. No, it's hearts. So you pull one of the things from the stack of cards. You've got like a rough map designed, a couple little things, scarcities and things that are in surplus. Say you draw a 10 of hearts, you read out, there's another community somewhere in the map. Where are they? What sets them apart from you? Or a belief or practice helps unify your community. So you get a little choice. You pick one of those. And so all of these different things where you're picking either something good, something bad, or like two middles allows you to put different things on the map and then like put it all together. Gosh, that's really nice. I heard a little bit about that and it seems really cool. Sorry, I got interrupted. Uh, oh, no I worries. am lightly hoarding the potato chips in the room that I'm in, <laughs> and so my dad came in to get some potato chips. <laughs> lightly hoarding. Uh, in my defense, they were put in here. They just never made their way out <laughs> to the chip area. <laughs> That's great. But just like the sheer amount of interesting tabletop rpgs are like infinite like i have a little book of uh, mini rpgs that are like supposed to be between like one hour and like i think the max is like six some of them are like two persons some go up to four or six (laughs) and uh even one of them is just like a one person thing where you basically write a series of letters based off of rolling tables that's cool yeah it's like a very self-reflective one but all of them are like so simple and like just you fit them all on one page that's exactly how much they take up yeah one page rpgs seem like a lot of fun yeah Ooh. um we should get to wrapping up but uh if we end up 
or uh, when we end up doing another tabletop RPG, um, I want to talk about uh, Dread. Oh, what's that? A uh, quick description of Dread is that basically it is one that you kind of have to play in person because there aren't any good Jenga Tower simulators online. I've looked. At least ones that are like reasonably <laughs> yeah. free because I'm broke. <laughs> and so... Oh, um, I think I've heard of this. Yes. I think I've probably described this at least three times to anyone I've met. Basically, everyone makes a character and then it's that's entirely it. You just go off of that. Everything else is role play. And then when you come to a decision where you could end up dying, you pull from the Jenga tower. The person Gosh. running it will have you maybe pull like once for easy stuff. The harder, farther it goes on, the more rickety the tower is. And sometimes if it falls, the DM will set it back up like still rickety, like especially towards the end. And if you pull from the tower and the tower falls, your character dies gosh that's great i have had some these are the most like phenomenal sessions i've ever been a part of because there's nothing more intense than knowing that your character's life is literally in your (laughs) hands as you like examine the jenga tower you're like doing all the physics thinking and you like poke one block and you're like you realize it's one of the ones that's stuck but you touched it so you have to move it and then you're like slowly finagling it out god oh the craziest thing i have uh videos of it if um this podcast ends up taking off and we have like our own little twitter i'll upload some of the videos but basically uh one of the people in the dm were locked in a battle because their character was like taking a big risk to dive and like like cover one of the characters and get them out of harm's way from like a machine gun trap that had been set up at a door so they opened the door and the dm was like all right we're doing a pulling contest and so basically they pulled until one of them knocked it over the bottom of the table was set at like the bottom there were two bricks on the bottom because the crazy like this dude was absolutely mad and the amount of skill he had and everything and so he had pulled the bottom block out like the very bottom he was like had been working on it for like a good like five six minutes and the dm had like started timing him the end of the the pull the like two bottom blocks were in a v-shape underneath the tower and the whole rest (laughs) of the thing was so rickety that the dm was like yeah i know my skill i can't pull from this and just knocked it over (laughs) my god and that like gives you such a like sense of like Ooh, like adrenaline. Right, right. God, that's so fun. Yeah, and but the thing is that you can like have some really wild concepts. Absolutely. The sky's the goddamn limit. Yeah, that's what I love about tabletop RPGs, because like some of them have set roles, but really you can just take the core mechanics and apply them to basically anything. Right. Like, it's I'm sure you could play amazing. D&D with, like, the Apocalypse system. I'm sure somebody's put it together. That's something that's so great is, like, you don't need to know anything like coding or anything to mod an RPG, like a TTRPG. Yeah. You can just you can just do it. <laughs> yeah, the sheer amount of homebrew content out there is, like, amazing. Yeah. But 
this is a good time as any to wrap up the first episode of the podcast. Uh, I have a feeling that we may do shorter episodes later on, but we may go this long every time. I have no idea. But I certainly had a wonderful conversation. I did too. That was like, I don't know what I expected, but it was better than expected. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, once we got into it, I just completely forgot to be nervous because we were talking about d and I was like, <laughs> same, mm, same. I have stories. <laughs> Me too. But uh, this has been the Hyperfixation Variety Hour. Again, I'm one of the co-hosts, Sam. And I'm Cassie. And we hope to see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>